Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Oh, great. They're fixing the sidewalks and putting in diagonal curb cuts. Have you ever run into those diagonal curb cuts trying to use a cane to cross a street as a blind person? Well, that's just one of the things that annoys me sometimes when it's difficult to cross a street when it should be easy. And that's some of what we'll be talking about today. Some of the things that as a blind person, one can find annoying that can be easily fixed if people just thought about it. And they're just as annoying to his wife. Now for our tip of the week. This week's tip is, if something bothers you or you think it's unfair or unsafe, mention it to somebody who might be able to fix it. Because really, sometimes it's just a matter of people's ignorance and just not knowing what you need. And the first thing is to make people aware of your needs and what would be easier for you. If they don't know, they can't help. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Today we have two guests with us. Can you start by introducing yourselves? Well, I guess I'm one of the guests this week. My name is Pete Torpy, and as most of our listeners know, I was born with partial vision, and I lost most of my vision just before starting graduate school and now don't see anything. And I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. I've been married to Pete for 39 years. And although I am fully sighted, I like to say that I also live with blindness. It's not my blindness, it's his, but this is a joint experience. It is interesting. Sometimes I think you know more about how I do things and how I operate than I do, because I sort of act as a blind person kind of naturally throughout my life. I really don't think about it, but you kind of look at it from outside and actually see what's going on. And sometimes you tell me why or how I'm doing things that I don't realize. And in keeping with today's topic, which are various pet peeves of a blind person, some of these things actually annoy me more than they annoy Pete. Today, we'll talk about some of our personal hot buttons, including physical obstacles, digital obstacles, auditory obstacles, people treating the blind differently, and more. Well, let's get on with it. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is some of our pet peeves and personal hot buttons, starting with physical obstacles. In fact, the way we came up with the idea for this show was that the city of Golden is 
so-called improving the sidewalks and while they're at it, putting in diagonal curb cuts. And you know, they are so annoying. It is so hard to keep going straight if they try to purposely put you out in the middle of the intersection. Maybe that's why you don't see so many blind people running around anymore. They're just all getting nailed in the street. You know, when I first learned to use my cane, they taught me to find where the curb and the sidewalk was going straight, and that was where you were supposed to cross the street. Well, that's no longer where the ramp is anymore. And so they modified all these street corners to make them accessible and easy to use for wheelchairs, but not so happy for people who can't see and use a cane. And to go along with that, sometimes you run into a staircase that's a challenge. Oh, don't you love that when you're walking along a sidewalk and trotting along and all of a sudden there's a stairway in the middle of the sidewalk. I guess if you're familiar with the environment, it isn't such an issue. But if it's your first time through a certain section of the city, that can be a real surprise. But even going in and out of a building or inside a building or a courtyard, we've seen lots of decorative staircases where they're odd spacing, uneven spacing. That's a challenge. You know, I'm always thinking about architects, and I know they might design these things to look pretty, but not only is it a nuisance for people who can't see and use a cane or a guide dog because the steps are uneven or not the standard height, but I think those also mess up sighted people. People are used to walking downstairs with a certain depth and distance to them, and if you place your stairs so that you have to take a step and a half to get to the next step, that can be a problem for everybody. So those are fixed physical obstacles, but there are also temporary physical obstacles. Pete explained to me very clearly when we first got together that everything had its place, and if it was off by more than six inches, it was gone. And so I've done my best for the last 39 years to put everything back where it came from. But not everybody does that. And if they aren't actually living with the blind person, they may not really understand how important that is. And what happened the first time that you brought me to your house to introduce me to your folks? Oh my gosh. We went upstairs for some reason. I had taken my shoes off. I had put them behind the sofa, so between the sofa and the wall, and there was a very narrow passage there. Um, and my mom decided to be helpful, and she put them on the stairs. She almost lost a potential son-in-law, which she might have been happy with at the time. <laughs> she came to like you eventually. Eventually. Well, and although my mom nearly killed you with my shoes, your mom also created an issue by cleaning up your kitchen and putting the bananas where? Well, that was pretty funny. My folks had come to visit for a weekend, and my mom, as Nancy said, cleaned up the kitchen and found some bananas and happened to put them on top of the refrigerator. Well, I had never put the bananas there, and I didn't see anything on the counter the rest of the week when I was there alone, but towards the end of the week, I'm thinking, boy, there's a funny smell in this apartment. And uh, it took me a while to find some pretty soggy, soft bananas on top of the refrigerator. So 
even with the best of intentions, sometimes those things happen. But fortunately, Nancy is very organized and she's very good about putting everything back in its place within a couple of inches so I can find everything in the refrigerator and around the house and being careful not to leave glasses in odd places on countertops so I don't knock them over. You're very good about that. While we're talking about people not putting things back where they came from, a very common situation in which that happens is at a restaurant. The waiter or waitress will come over to refill your water glass or your coffee cup, and they just put it back wherever it's convenient. Now, you know, I've actually noticed more and more waitstaff these days is actually telling me where they put a glass and... They'll even give me directions like the glasses at 2 o'clock or so, or they'll tell me I'm filling up your coffee now. So it's nice to know that people are getting more sensitive to that. But of course, there's things that we as visually impaired people can do to mitigate any problems. When you reach across a table where someone else has set things on the table, first of all, you can listen to where things are placed, but you also have to be a little bit careful and maybe not so quick to reach across a table for a glass and move your hand along the surface of the table. So if you hit a glass, you hit it low and not at the top where you might knock it over. So it's sometimes a two-way street. We did run into one humorous situation. I believe it was a some sort of celebration dinner at Xerox where we used to work. I believe it was honoring everybody who had gotten a patent that year. And unbeknownst to you, the waiter kept refilling your wine glass. Gosh, that was funny. The waiter came around to everybody at the beginning of the dinner, and he'd ask, Sir, would you like the red wine or the white wine? When I asked for plaid, he said, Very funny, sir. Would you like the red or white? So I asked for the red wine, and I got a glass of wine. Well, all thrilled the meal. I was sipping on my wine, and then we listened to some boring talks after the dinner. And I'm thinking, boy, I feel kind of sloshed, and I only had one glass of wine. Well, unbeknownst to me, the very nice waiter kept coming around the table to keep everybody's wine glasses full. Everybody who could see knew what was going on, but not me. I just wanted to finish my glass and not make it look like I left anything over. You finished it all right. I did. I wasn't feeling so good the next day. But the dinner was fun. So another thing you comment on, not infrequently, is what we're calling auditory obstacles, where a place can be so loud that it's difficult to navigate. Oh, yes. I'm already missing one sense. And so if people overwhelm my sense of hearing with some loud noises or loud background music, then all of a sudden they have two senses gone, and it doesn't make it easy to navigate places. One of the places where I most often complain about something like that is in a lot of restrooms. You can walk into a restroom, and they're playing this loud music, and all of a sudden I can't tell where I am. Plus the place is a little echoey anyway because they're usually tile walls. Sometimes I'll walk into a restroom that's quiet, and I think, great, well, I can you know, listen to where I am and the echoes and find where I am. And then someone turns on a hand dryer, and those things sound like there's a jet plane in the room with you. Well, that doesn't help either. So on a related note, because as Pete just described, 
He has difficulty in loud, large public restrooms, for example, at airports. We always do our best to find the family assist restrooms. And, you know, some airports are terrific. They've got them all over the place at Denver, but there are other airports where there are very few of them. And even if you ask an employee, where can I find a family assist restroom? They haven't been paying attention to that because they don't need them and they may not even know where they are. So they're tricky to find sometimes. I'm guessing a lot of our listeners have run into these same issues and can really understand what I'm talking about when I talk about some of these issues. And then aside from the bathroom, if you're in a public place and you're trying to have a conversation, if there's so much background noise, it makes it difficult to understand the speech of the people you're trying to converse with. You know, that's interesting. That can be an issue for lots of people who can't hear in noisy environments, particularly as people get older and their hearing isn't quite as good as when they were 20. But even when I was 20 and my hearing was excellent, I seem to have more trouble in environments like that than many of my sighted peers. And I think the real issue there is that many sighted people do a reasonable amount of lip reading without realizing it. Is that right? I'm sure I do. So that does make it a little bit easier for sighted folks in environments like that with lots of background noise. As I'm sure you're expecting to hear, not all obstacles are physical. Some of them can be digital or electronic. And we've done many, many episodes on accessibility of websites and other programs, applications, devices. And this brings us back to our tip of the week. You know, it's not a perfect world out there. We do have the ADA in the U.S. and it makes it a little bit easier. People are supposed to make all of these things accessible, but it doesn't always happen. Technologies are changing and accessibility developers of screen readers and other assistive devices have a hard time keeping up with it. But again, coming back to the tip of the week, is you have to make developers and designers aware of these issues because for the most part, they're designed by sighted folks. They don't have these issues. They're not even aware of them. Often, if you bring these issues to their attention, they're willing to help or make some modifications, but they have to know the issue exists. And then you also sometimes have to suggest how the fix ought to work and how they might be able to fix their product or application without a whole lot of trouble, because obviously they're not going to design things from scratch all the time just because some people have an issue with their products. But don't be shy about letting these people know. Get their contact information, write them a nice, friendly letter, tell them what the issue is, why it bothers you, and suggest several methods that they might use to improve the situation. And I have long since lost track of how many times I've heard Pete say, if something is designed to be easier for him, it ends up being easier for everybody else. And I really agree with that. Isn't that funny how it works? I run into all these web pages that when you're reading with a screen reader, they're just full of clutter and junk that you have to get past. And it's hard in a screen reader because you just read a line at a time or a couple of words at a time on a Braille display and then he asks me for help, and I can't find the thing either. Right, because 
the design just happens to be a mess. So as Nancy says, sometimes designing things that are accessible for me makes whatever the product is much better for everybody in general. So another pet peeve of ours is when people treat Pete differently just because he can't see. We just came back from a trip around Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah. If you haven't checked a map recently, there's a point where they all actually touch. So we didn't go that far. But we were at this uh, historic fort, and we asked one of the volunteers, where's the restroom? And so he pointed and we started heading over. And the next thing we know, we're about to open our respective doors. And the guy's standing right there. He had followed us all the way to the door. And he turns to me and he says, does he want help finding the urinal? I'm like, don't ask me, ask him. And we've also run into that at restaurants when we'll be sitting there at a booth and the waiter or waitress will come over and ask her what I want to eat. Well, how does she know? Well, I usually do know because it's usually I'll have whatever she's having. That makes it easy. Another way people treat you differently is they don't look at you when they're talking to you. Even if they ask you the question, they'll still be looking at me. You know, I find that particularly annoying. When I was young, my parents taught me to always look at people when I was talking to them or they were talking to me. People, if they're sighted, like to look at each other when they're talking. And so my folks were very conscious about having me do that. So I'm used to looking at people, even if I can't see them. And I expect people to be looking at me when they're talking to me. And just because I'm blind doesn't mean I can't tell where they're looking. If their head is turned and they're talking, I know their head is turned. And I get very frustrated when I'm talking to somebody and they're not looking at me because I have the sense that they're multitasking and looking at a newspaper, which has happened many times, and uh, just doesn't make me feel good. Now, really, to be fair... These people tend to be well-meaning. They're trying to do the right thing. They just don't have any experience, and they want to be helpful. But sometimes they'll provide the help before asking if it's needed. How many times have I run into that when I was waiting for a friend on a street corner, and someone will come up to me and say, Oh, Sonny, would you like a hand crossing the street? I'll say, No, thank you. I'm waiting for a friend oh, I'll help you cross the street here. Let me grab your arm. And they'll grab my arm without asking and start tugging and I'll be resisting. Occasionally I'm in a situation like that and I'll just go along with it and cross the street and wait until I think the person is gone and then walk back to wait for my friend, which is really kind of a silly situation. I appreciate people's help, but only if I want it. This next pet peeve is something that we've heard from many of our guests on the show and is something that we definitely resonate with ourselves is about how many eye care professionals actually, once the person has lost a significant amount of vision, talk to the patient, not just about eye drops, not just about surgery, but about how you can get on with your life, how you can get life skills training, and, you know, how does this loss of vision impact your life? You know, I tell people 
that in some sense I feel fortunate that I was blind from birth, although I had partial vision. I was involved in the blindness community, so I was aware of the resources and services that were available to me. But let me tell you, I never got any of that advice from any of the multitude of ophthalmologists I had through the years. They'll check your pressure, they'll look at your eye, and if it's normal, they'll send you home and say, come back in six weeks. If it's not, they'll say, come back in two weeks. And that's about all they do. They never talk about, so how is your eyesight affecting your life? How can we make some modifications to your life? How can we suggest some tools that might be helpful? That just isn't part of their lexicon. I think they don't learn that in medical school. They learn all about the physiology of the eye, but not about how someone actually lives. I wish that more medical professionals were knowledgeable about these resources and services that could help people with visual impairments do better in their daily lives and accomplish the tasks that they want to accomplish from day to day. But sadly, that's not the case. Maybe someday that will change in educating medical professionals. But in the meantime, we usually recommend that people look for their local services for the blind and visually impaired because they are knowledgeable about those resources and services that can really help you lead a better and more productive life. And they'll tell you about tools and other adaptive equipment that can make it easier on you all around. So check those resources out. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, what we're calling anti-pet peeves, or things we're glad for. And we talked about people treating Pete differently because he's blind, and some of the ways they do that can be really annoying. But some of the ways they do that can actually make life easier. As Nancy said, we don't want to make it seem that we're complaining here. There are just some issues that could be improved and are sometimes a little bit frustrating or annoying. But in general, people are very helpful. I walk around with my cane and that's a signal to people that they should be careful for me. We'll be walking down the street in a crowded city and it's almost like that movie, The Ten Commandments, where the waters parted for Moses as he crossed the Red Sea. People just split and make a wide path for us. And if I'm walking with some friends, it's really handy. And we talked about people grabbing your elbow and giving you help you don't want. But some people do the right thing. They actually offer help and wait for a yes. And most people do that. I think people are more sensitive these days to that kind of help offering than they used to be. So on this trip we just took, we went to Canyonlands National Park, which is really cool if you've never been there. And we walked into the visitor center to get some questions answered about which trail do you recommend we hike on. And one of the park rangers saw Pete with his cane and she got all excited and she ran into the back room and she came out holding a Braille park brochure. And I thought that was very nice. You see that more and more. Sometimes at restaurants, they'll give you a Braille menu. Unfortunately, I'm not such a fast braille reader because 
most of my Braille usage was when I was a young child, and I just use Braille now as a utilitarian thing. And if I had to rely on a Braille menu, I'd probably starve. But it is nice that people are doing that these days. Another thing that some public venues do is they provide audio descriptions or audio tours, or what we really love is um, if an actual human docent or volunteer gives an interactive tour. Boy, set us off in an air and space museum or some kind of science museum with a docent, and we'll close the place down with them. They can be very helpful and useful. They got They have great stories, too. We do typically take pity on them and let them take a lunch break. So you talked about how annoyed you get at inaccessible websites, but they aren't all inaccessible, and the number of accessible ones has been increasing over the years. And people are certainly doing better at that as they become more aware of the issues faced by many different groups of people. And you know... Sometimes it just takes awareness. We have two young grandchildren. We've mentioned them before on the show. They are just turning five and seven, and they're beginning to grasp the concept that grandpa can't see. And boy, they are so good about that. It is really great. One of our grandchildren who really does not like holding hands with adults, he'd always come over and grab my hand and lead me around even before he really realized what blindness was. So people can be kind. There are a lot of nice people and nice things done in the world. Anyway, I figured many of you can resonate with some of the issues we talked about here and have probably faced similar issues in your life. And maybe you faced more or different issues that you'd like to talk about. And we'd appreciate hearing from listeners about that. We can compile another show like this. You can always get in touch with us by sending your comments or suggestions to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Another great forum for discussing some of these issues is our discussion group. You can join our discussion group to voice some of your thoughts about these issues and connect with other listeners by sending an email to eos underscore discuss plus subscribe at googlegroups.com. And if you want to learn more about the show or access our searchable archive of almost 600 unique episodes, you can find all of that at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And if the website isn't your preferred venue, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And that search tool can be a very useful thing. As Nancy said, with close to 600 episodes in our archive covering almost every topic, if you put in a keyword or topic that you're interested in, you'll find lots of shows with the description of that show along with links to the show notes and the audio for that show. And as usual, in case you missed all of that information we just passed by in the audio, that can be tricky to catch. We always have that information in the show notes associated with each episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2223. 
Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about independence science. Accessible measurement tools are essential if visually impaired students or professionals are to be full participants in STEM-related activities, either independently or participating with their sighted peers. We'll speak with Michael Hingson and Ashley Nybert from Independence Science about the tools and services they offer to meet these needs. And as scientists ourselves, that's a topic that's particularly dear to us. So we hope you'll join us next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.